Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Welcome to River City Church. Um, for those who are new, those who just keep coming back. Um, so yeah, so we're going to actually, we usually start off with reading uh, the, from the lectionary, which is what the church is all around the world, uh, just to kind of unite us all together, and this is what they're reading from. Um, so we're reading from Psalm 36, 5 through 10. It says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Uh, something that happened like earlier this week that just for me just made this uh, even more real was uh, just a friend of mine that just moved uh, from Atlanta to Nashville, um, just a really close friend. And he, uh, if you guys have seen like Fresh Prince, old school show, like he's like Carlton Banks, like just like this like, just jolly guy that's just really peppy. Um, but what was so cool about it was we were just catching up on life, and uh, I was just, I, have, I haven't talked to him in a while, and so he, he works at a bank, and I was just like, well, you know, tell me how your day's been, and he was talking about how he, you know, just met with one of his coworkers, and, and this is just like very matter of fact. He was like, yeah, so I was talking to a coworker today on my lunch break, um, just asking her about like what was going on in her life, and she was just uh, she was just struggling with just a lot of things that are inside of her family that were going on, and just during this moment, um, he just starts just speaking life into her and just sharing Jesus, um, which I don't know. To me, it was it's just not something that I do. I don't necessarily always look for those opportunities, and just like in that moment, he just could feel that there was something about that God really wanted to move and. I mean, long story short, they end up stepping out, and she just gives her heart to Jesus. And, um, and from there, like, he's kind of helped her, like, get plugged into a church. 
And, you know, a week before that, he tells another similar story about just a guy he met at a, um, he's a musician, so on the side, and so he met at a show and just starts talking about Jesus and led this other guy to the Lord. And um, he's been, like, walking with this guy ever since, actually just got uh, diagnosed with cancer right after he gave his heart to the Lord. So now he's, like, walking with him through this process, but, like, there was so much like conviction in that moment, not, not from like, I need to do more, I need to, I need to be more evangelistic, I need to be more missional. I asked him though, like, what, what's kind of, how do these things like continue to happen in your life? Like what, almost like, what is your strategy, you know, to see this kind of breakthrough? And for him, it's just this simple faith. He's like, man, I'm just really in love with Jesus. Like, I don't really think about trying to like impact, I'm just really happy to be like enjoying the presence of God. And so for me, it was just like reading this scripture this week, it was, you know, how he, and we talked about this in pre-service prayers, that he gives us, he gives us access to the river of delight. He gives us access. It's, I mean, even says, like, give us this day our daily bread. And there's so many times that I feel like I miss out on, like, what he has for me daily, just this daily sustenance. But even just, like, going into worship, I just want us to be able to, like, enter into this place with just knowing that we can encounter God, knowing that as we just continue to exalt Jesus, he's just filling us up with just his joy, his delight. It's not something that we can create. Um, so yeah, that's just my heart for worship. I think it's just coming back to, I, I never move from a place of just desiring in the encounter of the presence of God. That's not something I move past. Like, I can't have one experience and just continue to coast off that. It's just this continuous hunger that we have to have to be able to, to really, to be a light, to bring the presence of Jesus everywhere that we go. Uh, so I just want to pray into that. Um, Jesus, we just thank you so much that you really don't leave us hanging, that you don't leave us dry. God, that you really do have a desire just to fill us up you give us exactly what we need and then some. So Lord, allow us just to be able to fix our attention on the fact that, that you really are a giver of good gifts. That your presence is, is just something that we desire so much. Even as we worship God, as we even sing these words, that they become so real and tangible. That we allow ourselves to just feel the delight of you just looking down on us, enjoying us, God. So, Lord, just sweep us up to, to that place today. Lord, let us just stir, just stir in us just a hunger and a desire for more of your presence, God. Because that's the way that we'll see change in our community. That's the way we'll see change in our church. It's just this, it's, it's got to come from you, God. We can't create this. So we just ask that you would just come, that you would be with us, that we're truly open to whatever your spirit has for us today. But again, we, joy is a choice, God. So we just fix our eyes on you and just uh, truly have your way. Not to where we just say it, but we truly believe that you can do whatever you want in this space today, God. Whatever it looks like. In your name we pray. Amen. segue into prayers of the people. So we're going to pray this morning, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask that you would join me by saying, Lord, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, hear our prayer. 
Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, hear our prayer. And now we'd like to create some space for the needs, the specific needs that you might have of this body of loved ones, of burdens you're carrying for our city and our community and for the world, if you will speak those out boldly so we can lift them up together. God, we lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So together we look to you, God, to be hope where there is no hope, to be light where there is darkness, to be healing where there is brokenness and pain. We look to you when we have no words, when we have questions, when we have doubts, when we've got nothing left, we look to you. So fill our hearts with the hope and the joy of being with the family of God and together turning our faces up to you. Form our hearts together today as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Teddy, if you'll come up. Um, so we as a church have been supporting other ministries and organizations and We've been good this year about making sure we're doing that on a consistent basis. And one of the first groups we wanted to do that with is Parish Long Beach, which is Teddy and Crystal's church. And so we've been friends with them. As I've told you before, he's preached here a few times. But we've been friends ever since college um, when I stole his books and sold them. That was our introduction. That is not a fake story. That was, that was our introduction. So be proud of me, guys. Right? Um, so he's going to share a little bit about how we can be praying for them and believing for them, and, um, and then we'll pray for him and move on in service. So go ahead and take some moments and share. Good morning. You guys doing well? It's really good to be here. Um, this is probably the hardest thing that I'll, I do is, is to have to share about our church. I know that sounds weird. I'm actually much more comfortable preaching because I, I would rather talk about God's character. I'd rather talk about who God is uh, rather than what he's doing. And I say that because one of the missions of our church is to speak the blessing of sonship and daughtership over people. And part of the way that we embody that is to not treat you like consumers. And so to tell the story of what God's doing in our church means I'm not trying to sell you anything. It means I don't objectify the people who are a part of our church body. And so it's a very tricky space for me. But we're in Epiphany, right? Like I think you guys follow the Christian calendar to some degree. And uh, we're in Epiphany where the scriptures that come to us, the texts, 
Tell us the ways in which people see and witness Christ for who he is. Like he looks normal. Like last week, Jesus gets baptized. And in the Luke passage, he's just in line with the people. Like right after John says, the most powerful, he's way more powerful than me. I can't even untie his sandals. He's in line. Like he's coming. And the next verse, he's in line with the people and nobody knows who he is. And so there's a way of seeing, right? So I'm going to tell this little story to encourage you as a way of saying thanks for what you're doing. The ways in which you're praying and giving to our church is a way of participating in the spirit, bearing this thing along. And so I'm going to tell this through my lens of watching someone else see our church. So we have some friends from Charlotte that were really, really wounded by the church. We worked in a church there for 10 years, and, um, and they were some of the friends that we got to know, and they really got wounded, almost mortally. Like, I don't know that, well, they haven't stepped foot in a church since then. And, uh, and they moved to Houston in the last couple years, and then they were like, we should come out and spend Thanksgiving with you guys. What would you think about that? We're like, yes, please come out to our house and spend Thanksgiving with us. And, uh, and full disclosure, uh, this, this one of the women is on our board. Uh, we have a very diverse board. One of the reasons that she's on our board for our church is because she is well-versed in um, the conversation that's going on on race in society. She has a very healthy pulse on it. And Long Beach is a very diverse area, and so we knew we needed that uh, that wisdom, that kind of counsel to help carry us into that place, right? Like, whites are not the majority in Long Beach, California. So they, they say, hey, we're coming out. We get a few days out, and they're like, hey, we're coming out. We haven't been to church in a long time. And we have, we, since then, they've had a second son. And they were like, we dedicated our first son. Would you guys dedicate our second son to the Lord? We're like, yeah, that's our job. These are things we like to do. This would be great, great. So they show up. They show up on Sunday morning. I'm going to make a long story short. Um, they, they get ready at our house. They come to the church. And we're meeting at the Y now. Like one of the things that is going on for our church is we're meeting in a public space. We've moved out of our house. Now we're setting out cards at the YMCA. This has been our home. They've welcomed us. We pay $100 a month, a, a month, not a week, $100 a month. This is how much they want us to be a part of like the YMCA, right? So we meet in this little yoga room. It's this really rundown boutique Y. When I say boutique, it means it just doesn't have anything fancy and uh and and so you have to understand like and we're mastering awkward church you guys I and mean, we're we're 18 people strong once our workers are out you're preaching to six people i'm telling you it's awkward church we're masters of it right now um and so that morning they come in and we're having we're we're, we're dedicating another baby and some extended family from some of the people are there and when when Lauren, our friend Lauren, walks in, right? Like, you don't, sometimes when you labor in places, you just don't know how special it is. It's just another person in a line. And uh, when she walked in, somebody who hasn't been to church and can't, doesn't want to be at church, her knees buckled when she saw the people. 
in this yoga studio. Her knees buckled, and I heard her under her breath go, oh, my God. And just tears streamed down her face. And I didn't know what to do in the moment. All I know is what that moment felt like was when I read the scripture of the shepherds and the magi who come to see the baby, I can only imagine that that was the reaction, like the, the shortness of breath and the reaction when they saw the Christ child, right? And not that we're the it, but this is, the, she could see in this moment that this thing is bearing the spirit of Christ in a way that even we weren't able to see. And she unpacked the rest of the week, what that moment meant for her. And one of the things she said to us is, one thing I know about this church is it's reconciling people to God through the church. And so I want you to hear that this morning. The ways you pray for us, the ways you're generous to us, is reconciling people to God through the church in Long Beach. And so I'm very thankful for the ways you've participated in God's story and what he's doing out there. So thank you very much for allowing me to come and cheer and to be at a second home for me. So. So we're going to we're going to pray for him. That's cool with you. Let's let's lay hands on him as inappropriately as you can think to do would be just great just kidding you can see his heart and that's teddy and that's the church and that's why god's using him because um and and crystal so father anybody who wants to pray can come gather around Uh, if you want to feel pressure to pray you can do that as well just reach your hands toward him Uh, he's representing a family of people who are planning a church out there so lord we just uh we offer him back to you right now uh, every good gift is from you, and he's a gift to so many of us even today. Just in five minutes, he's been a gift. And he's a gift to you as well. And I just pray that as we look at him and as we consider Long Beach Parish, we are seeing your reflection continually, that you would become known in the area, that you would be revealed through Long Beach, and that you would be um, birthed and continually birthed. And that we would help bear the weight of what it is for someone to carry in a womb, which is what this is. Help us to be midwives and help us to be people who help him along. Um, And I pray that we would be generous to them in every way, through prayer, finance, relationship, through forgiveness, through honesty, through listening. I pray that today is a special day for him to feel replenished by you. I thank you for already doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, bro. Thank you. I'm going to be honest with you. As I looked at this passage this week, I'm preaching from John 2. And if you want to open up your book to that, your Bible, your book, that's where I'm at right now, guys. That's, that's where I'm at. So open up your Bible, if you have it, to John chapter 2, which is in the New Testament. It is a book about John's perspective on what happens with Jesus's life. And the book of John is to reveal who Jesus is and what he does in his ministry is to do that. And so as we jump into it, chapter two is very different than other chapter twos in the gospels. Um, He talks about things that the other gospels aren't mentioning yet. And it starts with kind of this idea that when something runs out or something is at its end, what happens then? 
and what happens in us when the end of us comes and we have to still live the rest of our lives? Like, what happens when we're so empty that we pray prayers like, I literally cannot keep going like this? The emptiness of what, and, and each of us has a capacity to do things and create things and be successful, but the end of us comes at some point. And what we do with the end of us reveals a few, th- uh, uh, quite a few things, but I think in that spot of being at the end of ourselves or at something, we're tempted to avoid what's really happening and escape into something. And so I want to talk about this passage because it's fascinating. It's confusing, um, it's jarring, and it's built around a wedding feast. And it's not like the kind of wedding feasts we know. Like if we go to a wedding and we're there for more than three hours, we're pretty much like, I, I love these people, uh, I've enjoyed this, but be really good to go home right now. Like these weddings lasted seven days. They didn't do a honeymoon. Seven days, a seven-day party. And if you're from the South, the only seven-day party, the only party where you go to sleep seven times and then wake up is called Spring Break. And nobody's inviting Jesus to that. There's specific steps to be made to not invite Jesus to Daytona. So so they're at a party for seven days. I love this, too, because this reveals almost like what Teddy was saying about Jesus being in a line. Jesus got an invite to a wedding and was like, we all are like, oh, cool. That's going to be like 40 bucks. Maybe we'll go. He had to talk about it with his disciples. Like, I got invited to this wedding. Um, should we go? All right, we'll go. And he's just there. He's just there for seven days. And he's not walking around, like, pulling out his God card and being like, I don't know if you guys recognize, but I'm, I'm, G- I'm actually Jesus. It's none of that happening. We just hear on the third day, he somehow is inserted by a domineering mom who we don't understand. I know that you guys don't understand that, but I I understand that clearly. She's not here, so I can say this about her. (laughs) She kind of forces him in some ways. The part about Mary is jarring in some ways. The conversation is, it's awkward. And it's Jesus talking to his mom, so you would think he'd be like, yes, mother, I will honor you, but it's like confusing. And so I would ask, there's a couple pitfalls as we jump into this that I would ask that you not bite on. The first one is that this is a story just to prove that Jesus can do miracles. I think if that is the finality of what you think is happening here, you're going to have a very limited scope about what Jesus came to do. Jesus did a miracle here. It's amazing, right? The second thing is don't get caught up on the conversation built around wine. And I don't think our church struggles with this, but there are some roadblocks for wine. I happen to be someone who cannot partake in drinking wine. There are many other people in this room who are in my same situation. And as Christians, we have to be aware Right, like I was reading this and I was reading commentary and seeing like the argument on some of the pages was should did Jesus drink? Did Jesus do this? Should we be allowed to drink? I think we're missing the point, right? The point is it's not is this passage saying we should be drinking or not drinking? We should be self-controlled Christians. And if you're like me and you can't control yourself after you drink a glass of wine, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Just like you shouldn't go home and eat 3 gallons of Briar's ice cream. It's just a question of self-control. But I wouldn't get caught up on that stumbling block here because there's a deeper meaning to this passage that Jesus is trying to get to us. 
So I want to read this to you, and I want, you, I want to ask you to have fresh eyes. Right? There's so much imagery here. There's so many things that mean something. Just like any text in the New Testament or even the Old, it's pointing to things so much bigger. It's not just surface reading, and it's not just reading where you pull out the three things that reiterate what you already believe so you can go tell somebody, see? It's asking you into a conversation led by the Holy Spirit so that you can be read by it. This passage reads us. This passage asks us questions that challenge us. This, this passage asks us what we think about Jesus, and it gives us some great things. So I'm going to read to you John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to this wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman. Let me just stop her. Have you ever said that to your mom? Just that one word. I can't, like if, if this is us, when he says that, his disciples are like. Has anybody ever said that to their mom, honestly? It was, good, it was a good conversation, right? Like it ended really well, right? Yeah, it was like hugging. So, and I'll just be honest with you, this, this presents the translation in a way that it isn't actually that jarring. But I'm just going to say this here. He's making the distinction at this point that even familial relationship or being provoked by humans is not comparable to why he's there. He's making a separation in a loving way that, yes, you are family, but my will is not on your accord now. My will is prompted by another thing, another thing. It's the will of the Father. But confusingly enough, she jumps right. She doesn't even stop. She's like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so he says, my hour has not yet come. And then this part, this is interesting. So his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And he's like, did you not just hear the words I said? But something else is there. And that's a mystery. But now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some water out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, had now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to them, everyone serves good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, we need you to, to reveal to us what you're speaking through this text. What is it that you want us to wrestle with this morning? What is it that you want us to see about Jesus and his character and nature as our God, as our Savior? As the one whom we say we will put everything into this basket as the one who we lean into when we do not know where to go when we are at our end and we literally have done everything and cannot fathom another scenario help us to lean into the scriptures for those of us specifically in that spot as well in jesus name we pray amen so really quickly there's a crisis presented right off the bat here and the crisis is if you run out of wine at this kind of celebration your family is socially about to have to pay price. And so there's so many things happening. And 
Mary nudges Jesus when she sees this. So right off the bat, Mary notices in a situation an area where there is depletion. And it's not a life or death area. It's not like people are dying. This is just a common space where someone might not be able to provide more wine and they might not be seen as great. And that third day in, people have to leave the party. And so Jesus is not. This is a fascinating part that we have to wrestle with as well. There's situations and areas of lack in our world that there's no simple answer for. We are not people typically in that setting, each of us here. Like we're praying before service that if even some people on our planet had 50% of what we have, they would be unbelievably blessed in their own eyes. They would think, I can't, I just can't even believe this. And so when we wrestle with a passage like this, when we're talking about Jesus providing something of excess and abundance to an area that's not even a life or death situation, we have to wrestle with that. But we also have to recognize that Jesus being inserted into this situation is showing something about his character, something about what he does when he is involved in a situation. So Mary sees a need in a jarring conversation and says, do what he tells you. So they went and got some vats. If you can bring up Mark 7, this is important to note that there were a lot of ritualistic things that people did, and these particular vats were used for this. So for the Pharisees and all the Jews, do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots. And there's a list of things. And these are the pots, right? Like the, 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 the purpose of Jesus gathering these pots for people who would recognize them for this, bringing them out and then filling them with wine. And not just a little bit of wine, 180 gallons of wine. So if you, if you knew a guy that came to a party and had 180 gallons of wine, you would instantly be like, we got to talk, dude. I, like, I get it. You can have a glass of wine, but you're, you just brought 180 gallons of wine. One gallon of wine. Any, like Boone's Farm. If somebody brings Boone Farm to a party, you're like, we got to talk, dude. He brings 180 gallons. He turns it into wine. It's the best wine. It's confusing. And then in my favorite thing about this passage, you have to start noticing what Jesus could have did, done, and what he did. Jesus is behind the scenes doing these things. And he uses restraint, right? Here's, here's the peculiar part. This, if this was being labeled, the story, it would be the story of this guy's wedding. And that's what he labeled it. I'm going, we're getting married, right? This is my, one of my biggest moments where I put all of this useless nonsense into making things perfect, and then I don't even care about my marriage. This was one of those moments being pointed out that Jesus is invited to, that we look back on. Now it's Jesus' moment, right? Like we see this as, Je this is what? This is Jesus' first miracle. This was a wedding. This wasn't even his day. Jesus showed up at someone else's big day, and he didn't even project what he did on other people. People don't even know what happened. People are confused. The guy who's hosting the party, the groom, he doesn't even ask enough questions. He, there's just 180 gallons now, right? So this says something about the character and nature of Jesus and calling. And when God does do something through us, we would instantly capitalize on this. We would start a ministry called wine and 180 or something. It'd be like 180 ministries. Yeah, that's, this could have ended at being, again, like the bread king. 
This could have ended at being, yeah, this is the, the miracle worker that creates wine. And we'd start conferences about making wine and, and, and continuing the party. And these are beautiful things for this passage to do that. But this is a story about how Jesus inserts himself into a situation. For each person involved, it's different too. For the guy who's hosting the party, he just hasn't, Jesus says yes to come to a party. Like that's the gift. I'm coming to your party. For the, for, the, for the host of the party, the groom, he gets to say thank you for not having to pay for social, the repercussions. For the disciples, they're the only people who are mentioned here to actually believe on Jesus after this. And I love in one of the commentaries, it, it painted this picture that they're looking at this wine and seeing Jesus stand on the other side and seeing his face in it. So seeing the wine but not taking, biting the, the bait of thinking this is just about a miracle. This is, it goes from this is the story of a man's wedding to this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The subtle tones of him coming in and working all these miracles together Answering things, doing things, providing things, and giving each person something that would bless them, large and small. And the list is, I mean, just, this is what we do, though. If it's only, we'll only celebrate it as Jesus if we see it. We can only celebrate that the disciples accepted Jesus and said, yes, he is the real deal. We can't celebrate that he brings order socially or that he keeps the party going or that he does care about joy and celebration. We see that everyone needs to receive Jesus, but we don't see how he's working behind the scenes to do things. We don't know the rest of the story for the other people in this. We don't know what they did. Maybe this guy, like four years later, is like dropping that Jesus came to his wedding. At the time, he was like, he's just a guy, right? This Jesus came to my wedding. But maybe after Jesus does what he does, he's like, I don't know if you know this, guys, but um, Jesus came to my wedding. Maybe he's dropping names at that point. I don't know, but the point to me in this passage is that sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't. But when we can celebrate, when we can see that something good has come to us, maybe it just sounds like to us, someone noticed, like Mary. Like, I notice, I've noticed, Sarah, that you've been depleted and I'm, I'm leaning into Jesus for you. Maybe that's the miracle. Maybe it's, Something is frivolous to you that's so massively important that someone steps in and helps you to alleviate the issue. Or maybe it's you've seen a miracle and you know that Jesus is real. Celebrate whatever it is. Celebrate whatever it is. To me, this story is about... To me, the story is about recognizing Jesus' work, large and small, and calling it out. To me, the story is about when you are at your end as a human, when you have nothing left. It's not time to run. It's time to let him be Jesus. To me, this is ministry. It's when you've done everything that you can and you can do no more. And as me and Teddy talked last night, we are all the water. Our job is to be water. Jesus' job is to turn it into wine. And if we turn our own water into wine, we start ministries like 180 Wine Ministries and Jesus the Bread King Ministries, and this is all that matters ministries, and Jesus is inviting us into a new way of being alive.
And he's always doing that. And he's starting with right where you're at. So today I'm going to create a little bit of space. This might be the quickest message I've ever preached in my life. But I wanted to label together a few things. I want to give you space. And when we're asking for your input about what Jesus is doing, I would love it. I dream of a community when we have prayers of the people and we pray for our city and we have to shut you up. I dream of a, the people just around your life that when we asked who can we pray for, you've already been praying for them. I dream of a place where we're not nudging you into the work that needs to be done in our own lives, but that you're already doing it. We're speaking over one another about reaching out and nudging Jesus on the behalf of someone else. So just for a moment, before we let the prayer team come up and talk through what's happening, in what ways can we nudge Jesus today? And who can we nudge Jesus for? And what can we celebrate? And we'll start with what can we celebrate? Where has God been exceedingly and abundantly above what you deserved? And I'll give some space for it right now. And it'll get awkward if you don't speak, so speak up. So finances, amen. That's good. It's awesome here. Thank you. Having hope, yes, yeah, awesome. Who else? Peace in the hard times, yes, so good. Amen to finances. Transformation, forgiveness, so good, so good. Who else? Patience, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Grace. Keep it going. Abundant joy. I could, I'll take some of that. Bring it. Bring it. Who else? So good. So we were at a, the worship, um, like the re-gathering for the worship team, maybe like last Thursday. And there's like 18 people, and God's really gifted. And we, we sat down. This was maybe the most holy moment I've had this year. And we didn't speak. We just sat with each other. I felt as if like a layer of life crust was lifted off of everybody. In the, I, just, I just created that right there. So if you want to tweet it, just give me some credit. It was tangibly a shift in my human nature that was gifted through me just being quiet with the worship team. I literally felt it. Who else has something? Something to be thankful for. Amen to that, Ryan. Awesome. Purpose through work, yes. You have something, Jason? You're being a good dad? Okay. I like it. You are? Cool. Thanks, dude. Who else? Health? Okay. Yeah. Amen. Who else? Amen. 
Yeah, man, I, I had a, a herniated disc, and I can still walk, so I can't outlift anybody, but I'm walking. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I like it. Mm. John the Baptist. Amen. Who else? Anyone? Thank you. Amen. We need it. Almost sound like I said thank you because I was saying I was wise, but I think we all know that's not true. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Your Subaru? Yep. Amen. Who else? Power and prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, totally, totally thankful for you guys that we don't have to, you know, be consumers or consume or produce a product. We can live together and figure it out together. Such a massive gift for one another. Who else? Yes. Who else? I want to read you a quote. Um, This is by James Dabbs. Religion was a day and a place. Religion was a Sunday and a church. Almost everything else was life. Religion was a curious, quiet, and inconsequential moment in the vital existence of a country boy. It came around every week, but it didn't seem to have much to do with the rest of life. That is, with life. The sign at Cana tells us that Jesus served a God who puts joy into life, who thinks it is worth a miracle to keep the party going and to celebrate people. Continuing, blessed is the pastor whose church has a real tenor and plumber, but doubly blessed is the pastor whose congregation knows Cana grace. Our joy flows from knowing our God. University of Chicago theologian Robert Hodgkins remarks that Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. We ought to be preoccupied with parties, banquets, feasts, and merriment. Brace yourself for a little bit of maybe making you upset. We ought to be giving ourselves over to variable orgies of joy. Yes, it says that. Because we have been liberated from the fear of life and death. We ought to be attractive to people because of these things we got to celebrate when we can celebrate. Like, we went to this thing on, and I'm, I, this is, I never preach like this, so I'm just letting it happen. We went to this Scott the Painter in Knoxville who paints some of these icons we put on the walls that help in contemplation, that help draw you into prayer if you're someone who struggles in it. And he ended his thing with the five things that people at the end of their life say most commonly. Say most commonly. And one of the five things was people realized they could have been happy, but they chose not to be because they focused continually on what could be fixed. Just the choice of not choosing to live in the grace of our Father and recognize things paints a picture for our world. And then it helps us when we notice how we need to nudge Jesus, not judge Jesus. Let's not do that. Really quickly for a couple minutes, how can we be like Mary How can we nudge Jesus today to recognize the broken and empty and dry pots and cisterns and vats? Where do we need to see Jesus 
pour in new wine. And if it's you, say, I need that. That's okay. Where in our society, where in our families, and I'm going to give you some space again. It's great. I, I want to nudge Jesus, something that's been on our heart for a while, spiritual formation, right? Like we come from a kind of spirit, spirit-filled, charismatic history, which has brought us a lot of beautiful things. Um, but something our generation has lacked that is recognizable if you're willing to do any searching is pretty much no one under our age and below understands what the spiritual disciplines are. And there's a podcast that actually Chris passed along to me that really helped. And no one really knows how to create space to be with Jesus. So I'm nudging Jesus on your behalf that wouldn't it wouldn't be our job to tell you about Jesus each week, but that you would develop these ways to be in communion with the Father on your own and become equipped to understand and, and carry the gospel message as it's yours. I want to nudge Jesus in that way. I want to ask him, God, you got to do this. These wells are dry. Who else has something? Clarity and guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit. Yes. I want to nudge Jesus also for those of you who are hiding behind something and just showing up um, to a space not feeling like you can actually have the conversations that need to be had, um, that you can come out and discuss, and we can work our way towards the Father together, that the church really needs space where people can actually have the conversations that they need to be had. I see that as, a, as something I want to see Jesus do in our space. And the time is getting short, and that is the strangest message I've ever preached, but um, I was telling Teddy last night, I literally... I felt this week like the water, and he labeled it. I feel so much like the water in those jugs, and I want so badly, the performer in me wants to sometimes, when that happens, to make the wine for you. Jesus has to be the one to do it. And I want to just liberate you. If you are in a spot where you are the water or you have no idea how to move forward, don't do it on your own. Allow him to make it what it needs to be. In fact, I want to pray with you really quickly, and you guys can come up in just a second. I know you're going to do some things too, but um, if you guys would just um, be honest before the Father right now about feeling like it, it has run out, the party is stopping. This We're three days in, and I don't have anything left. Everybody's about to find out. All these guests are going to go home, and you are empty and you still have some religion in you because you know what you're supposed to say and you say it the right way and you know where to say no and you know what you can't do. But, but if you're honest with Jesus on the inside, you're at the end. You're at the end of it. It's just time to be honest with him. And I just pray in the spirit of what Mary did for Jesus, prompt him, do you see this? And I prompt him for you. Jesus, do you see our people? Do you see those that are at an empty space needing to be filled can you do that? Can you do that? And so allow us to be a community that allows you to fill us instead of doing what we think wine looks like. In fact, forgive the church for deciding that the wine from 1989 was the wine for the rest of history when you have such a better blend restore our imaginations to think that we don't have to return to something but that we're moving forward to something there's a better wine that people when they drink it are going to be like 
this is so much better than the first stuff. And that's because it will be wine from you, Jesus. Wine that keeps the party going. Wine that restores order, restores a person's wedding, that includes disciples in the journey, that helps people to see your face in the reflection of it. We ask for the new wine, God. And I want to, I'm just going to pray kind of strong here. Some of us think we already know what the new wine is, but we don't really. We have seen a wine that is new, and we've seen it in a form. That's not the new wine. That was what the wine did to that wedding. He's invited us to other weddings, and he wants us to be just as surprised about what he can do. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.